0: I'm continuing this series on Thrive. Pastor Phil has done a great job of laying a great foundation uh and taking us somewhere on a journey in this uh in this subject called Thrive, Thrive to uh Thrive to Flourish. Amen. Uh he talked a couple weeks about thriving to grow and how we need to grow. Uh and then he talked um last week, you know, about uh thriving to commit we need to commit to something and today we want to talk about thrive to connect thrive to connect and we have taken on this thrive vision for our life how many know that john's gospel chapter 10 and verse 10 jesus plainly told his disciples and anyone that would listen that your enemy comes to what in three things steal kill and destroy but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now listen to the way I was I was reading that. I've read that maybe ten thousand times, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand times. I just love the book of John, the Gospel of John. And I've read that a lot. Ten ten. Something hit me this past week when I was reading John 1010 10 about how Jesus does things. Whenever you hear God say something, he doesn't just stop at a certain point, but he always goes beyond. You notice that Jesus said, your enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy you, but I have come that you might have life. And I said, wow, that's great, Lord. You have come, that now I live. I'm so happy. I have life. And then he didn't say, I come that you might have abundant life. He never said that what I was was thinking. You know, Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. Are you living the abundant life? He didn't say you're going to have an abundant life. He said, I came that you might have a a life and live life more abundantly. More abundantly. Not just abundant, but more abundantly. Everything that God does, he does more. This is where that thought comes when he says he is able to do, Paul says, what? Exceeding abundantly, above all that you ask or think. Now I want you to take a moment and just think about some things that you could ask the Lord. Just think on it, just for a moment. Come on, just a little exercise. Think of some things that you could think. Now listen, if you're thinking of uh, think of some things that you could ask, if you're thinking of material things, I just want to tell you right now, you're thinking too small. You just you're thinking too small. You're just thinking material things. I mean, a house, a car, those things are are, are nothing for God. And and in fact. I want to I tell you that if you're thinking material things to make you happy, think about the last time you bought a car, if you're old enough to have bought a car. Or when you bought your house. You know, we bought a house up in Brownsburg, and we got a great deal on this house. God blessed us. I mean, it's more room than we could ever want in this house. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge house. It's 4,500 square feet. I'm not ashamed to be uh, transparent this morning. And we did not pay market price for the house. Amen. God just blessed us. And it's when we got in there, it was like, wow, oh, my Lord, have mercy. And then so after a few months, it was like, okay, well, you know, now I'm used to the house. And you see all the things that you have to do. when well, you have to clean that house. In fact, my wife has divided the house up into zones. And each of us have a zone. Didn't she, Neil? Yeah. <laughs> each of us have a zone that we have to, now I don't do my zone quite as often as, as I should, but. Yeah, that's a, she's reminding me, but we have, it's, it's a big house. But then you you start seeing that, well, okay, that's great. That was satisfying for a while, but there's got to be more than that. I remember, and I've said this before, uh, a quarterback that I absolutely loathe, only because, not him as a person necessarily, but for a couple of reasons. One, he went to Michigan, and I'm from Ohio, and he plays for the Patriots. And so, you know, it's just it's just a bad deal. But He said something after he won his third Super Bowl. I'm not going to mention his name. Just like in Ohio, we never mentioned Michigan. We just said that school up north. So I won't tell you his name. But he said after he won his third Super Bowl, they were asking him, well, how do you feel? You know, you've won three Super Bowls, and you're going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game of football and all that. And he said, you know, honestly, I'm thinking there's got to be more to life than this. That's what he said, Honest. That, that's what he said. I mean, after the high, after you get over the high of winning and doing all those things, he said, "Well, it's, I'm looking for more." And so that's why every year he comes back and tries to win another Super Bowl. And so if material things could satisfy you, once you got one material thing, you would be satisfied. And so I'm telling you, you're thinking too small if you only think. And I'm not downing that. Obviously, you need money makes the world go round. It's very nice to have a good car, not a bad car. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very good to have a nice house and not a bad house and all of those things. But I'm saying don't stop there because you, that will not fulfill you in life. So think of some things that you want out of life. What do you want? How many people would like to be out of debt? I know I would like to be out of debt. You know, I'd like to be able to pay off all of my bills for several reasons. One, just the relief of not having to be in debt, all right, every month. But then the other thing is, you know, one of the things I would love to do is when my daughter goes to college, when she goes to IU or Ohio State, Stanford, you know, NYU, wherever she wants to go, I would like to go in there and say, bam, school is paid for don't even worry about don't drop out but (laughs) it's pay for i would love to just be able to do that or when somebody's in need just say here you go don't worry about it i know god is good don't even worry about it to be able to do those things you know and so we and that's blessing the kingdom uh what about relationships with your family you know how many would like to just have no bad relationships uh, it's, it's it's difficult, you know. I know. I know we're talking about humans. I, you know, Jody, you counsel. I, I understand that uh, we're talking about humans. But it sure would be nice to just have no bad relationships. Every relationship you had was just a good relationship. I would love that. That would be something that we could ask ask of the Lord for. Amen. To fulfill your purpose in life, that would be something we could ask the Lord for. Now you think about all those things. You think about all that, and God says, "I am able to do that." But then he says, I am able to exceed abundance, not what you ask or think, above all that you ask or think. This is the kind of God that we serve. Everything he does is above what you ask or think. More abundant life. This is the kind of God that we serve. And so God wants us to live a thriving life. Why shouldn't we? Never look in the mirror and say, that is just not for me, because it is for you. I don't care what you have been through. I don't care the mistakes that you have made in life. How many of them? I mean, we could could probably get in the room and we could go at it and, you know, see who's made the most mistakes. You know, there's always somebody who's made more mistakes and worse mistakes than you. Come on, I don't care where you are in life. I don't care how people have put you down. I don't care what deck of cards you have been dealt in life. You can live an abundant life if Jesus dwells in you and you in him. It's a promise. And in fact, if you want to live that life and you follow Jesus as a disciple, a dis- disciplined one, come on, Then, and, and you're not living that life, if something happens where you don't live that life, Jesus himself would be embarrassed. Come on, he's not going to embarrass his own body. And so you can live that abundant life. It's a promise from God. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive. Psalm 92, we've been talking about He said, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Key word in there is not flourish. Key word in there is righteous. Flourish is a given. Flourish is a given. But are you righteous this morning? I don't think I've done something to be righteous. Have you accepted him in your heart? Are you allowing God to work things out in you? Are you growing in him? Those who are planted, key, in the house of the Lord, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Are you connected to your local church? Or are you church hopping? Or do you go every once in a while? God forbid you an Easter and Christmas Christian. Come on now, we're happy to have you if you come on these two Christians. But listen, if you want to flourish, you've got to do a little more than that. To declare the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. And guess what? If there's no unrighteousness in Him, there's no unrighteousness in Him. Now, there is in this flesh, but not in the real you. If any man be in Christ, new creature. That new creature is righteous, never committed sin. I don't want to mess up your theology this morning, but that new creature has never committed a sin, has never been offended or offended anyone. Come on, that new creature is connected to the Holy Spirit, but we're still in this flesh. That's why Paul said in Romans, who will deliver me from this body of death? Come on, who will deliver me from it? So what does it mean to thrive? Let's just recap. To thrive means living a flourishing life, is growing spiritually, with commitment to God's house, and a vital connection to God's people. It is using everything I have to serve in any way possible at all times. Pastor talked about some words to go along with that. Words like flourish, words like prosper, blessed, favor, increase, success. Talked about those words, those are thrive words from this thrive book to thrive is to grow to develop in your spiritual inner man and to amplify christ are you amplifying christ in your life amplify the christ nature in you simply to live like jesus and share his love those are the two great commandments live like jesus and share his love To thrive is to commit, to dedicate oneself to the purposes of God. By giving my life, my energy, and my resources to thrive is also to serve. To live like Jesus by giving him my life, my time, my resources, to serve his purposes. His church and all people. So, if you You want to know that that you're living the thrive life that God is talking about. Then you need to put in the dipstick. You need to look in the mirror and you need to ask yourself some questions. Am I growing in the Lord? Because you can thrive emotionally, physically, even mentally and not be thriving spiritually. And I'm talking about thriving spiritually this morning. Are you growing? Do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? You may say, I know Jesus, but he may say, well, I haven't heard from you in a while. Come on. Do you amplify Christ in your life? Or are you ashamed to live a Christian life in your workplace? I'm not talking about having a soapbox and evangelizing necessarily in your workplace because you're there to work and do what you're called to do at that place. But the life that you live in that place doesn't amplify Christ. Are you growing? Do you share Jesus with others by your words and by your life? Are you growing? We're talking about how to thrive spiritually because the outside can look good. Come on. But the inside can be unclean and lacking. Matthew 23, Jesus was very poignant when he told, The Pharisees first clean the inside. And I believe that's a word for us too. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish that the outside might be clean also. Are you committed to anything? Do you commit? Do you follow through? Come on, I'm talking to somebody this morning. I know I'm talking to myself. Or are you a good starter like I've been? Start a lot of things and never really finish. I don't know how many projects I've got started around the house. I'm fixing my son's bike. I'm doing a garden. I'm doing a little painting. And all of them are started. None of them finished. Do you commit to anything? Come on, are you committed? How about are you serving? Some people can say, yeah, I'm serving. I'm doing a lot of service some people may say, well, I intend to serve. Are you serving or are you a spectator? I heard a tape one day. It was a tape, cassette tape back in the day. They didn't have CDs yet. And the the title of this guy's speech was, you can't win if you're not in the game. You can't win if you're not. All you are is a fan. You're just a spectator. You have to jump in with both feet in order to win. Throw caution to the wind. You can come to church consistently, oh, come on, but have no impact in the church. Hmm. Now, come on now. we Listen, listen. I'm a pastor, so I appreciate people coming to church. Don't get me wrong. Right? I already spoke these seats will be filled, and I will not be discouraged. I've, I've spoken it, and I hope you're there with me. We're there together. These seats will be filled. But I don't want the seats filled with a bunch of spectators. Come on. I want the seats filled with a bunch of player players. Some people who are in the game. Some people who contribute. Come on, and when the bench comes in, it's just as strong as the starters, Sometimes stronger. Come on. We need some players. We need some folks who are going to be in the game. That's what we want these pews. They're not pews anymore. These chairs filled with, right? Some players. Are you serving? Do you have impact? Are you plugged in? These are questions, saints, that we must ask and answer in order to find out are we thriving? Are we living a thriving life? Are we thriving or simply surviving? Come on. Are you committed or are you just attending i'm not talking about just attending church i'm not talking about just attending life i'm talking about being committed not talking about being a spectator we want to build an environment here it's my desire where people feel like they want to participate they want to participate they want to build they want to own the vision and see it through They want to say, listen, I want to do, what can I do to help this vision come to pass? Because it's not just a pastor's vision, not my vision for the church. This is Christ's vision. It's all about him, not about us. And everything we do, from the leaders to everyone in here, has got to be about Christ's vision. It's got to be about him. We want people to own the vision and be a part of what's going on. And so, in order to do that, get to what we're talking about today is to connect. To thrive is to connect. Here's what connect means to connect is to be joined to life giving God connections that secure your life and your future and fulfill God's purposes. Life giving God connections. So, see. We have to maybe break some of those connections that are not life-giving and that are not God connections. Come on, that's just as important as getting life-giving God connections. It's just as important to break some of those that are not life-giving. And that are those things that can easily beset you, those things that can drag you down. I'll just say those people that can hold you back come on now. We need life-giving God connections. There's some vital connections, saints, that we have to have if you want to live a thriving life. Here's some connections. Number one, we need to connect to Christ. We must. It's just a basic. If you don't know Christ and he doesn't know you, then there's no sense in listening. You have to know him. You have to know Christ. If you are not born again, if you are not born again this morning and you don't know the Lord, then how sad is it for you? I'm I'm hesitating in saying this. I don't want to... To step on people's toes this morning, but sometimes our toes need to be stepped on. If you don't know the Lord this morning, you know, there's only, God said that there's no one, he doesn't want anyone to be lukewarm, either you're hot or you're cold. You don't ride the fence, you're not in the middle. If you don't know him, then simply don't know him. And you're headed to a life of separation with Christ forever. No take backs so we must know christ that has to be our first connection we must be connected to the word of god this word right here you must be connected to it you have to be connected to it i'm not talking about no longer being a sunday christian come on if you've done that all right that's behind you now we're not doing that anymore not after today We're no longer a Sunday Christian. We're a Christian 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, all the days of our life. That's when we're a Christian. Come on. I don't want Sunday to be the only time that you've cracked your Bible or prayed. You ought to be doing that a lot more than Sunday. Connected to this word. And I'm not just talking about reading the word either. Come on, I'm going a little bit deeper this morning. I've been kind of hesitating, but I'm, I'm just going to go it. I'm, I'm talking about going deeper this morning. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about folks that just come and say a prayer or come to church just because it's an obligation. Uh, my mom or dad uh, wants me to come to church, and so I'll do it to make them happy, or i got to go see my friends. This is not a club. Come on. This is not an organization. I hate to tell you that, but this is a living, breathing organism. It's called the body of Christ. And so when you leave out of here today, guess what? You're still a Christian. You're still a Christian and you still need to read your word and not just read it, but you need to find out what it means when he says, do not judge. What does that word mean? Because Paul told Timothy, I know Timothy was a pastor at the time, but listen, he's talking to all of us and he said, study to show yourself approved. A workman that need not be ashamed. Come on, tomorrow you need to read your Bible. You need to read it tomorrow. And not just for three minutes. Find out what it means. Set some time aside. Find out what the scripture means. Get a concordance. And guess what? You don't even have to buy one anymore. You can just go online. There's all kind of sources and concordances and commentaries. You got to be kind of careful online. But, you know, there's those things online you can even do. Find out what he means by these things. Dig a little deeper. That's being connected. I didn't say read the word of God. I said be connected to the word of God. Connect to prayer. God needs to hear from you. Well, God knows. He knows all about my trouble. Yeah, he does know all about your trouble. But he still wants to hear from you. And guess what? If you don't pray, you won't hear from him. It works both ways. You need to connect to prayer. And then we need to connect to church. Come on. We need to connect to church. It's important. I know you have other things to do. I know that the clothes need to be washed. I understand that the house needs to be cleaned. I understand you have some errands to run. I know all of those things. So unless it's your anniversary, you should come to church. (laughs) Leave it alone. But no, I understand. Listen, coming to church does not get you into heaven. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't. So, you know, listen, there's been days I'm a pastor. I've missed church. You know, and so coming to church doesn't get you into heaven. But I'm telling you, we need to be connected. It's purposeful. I'll give you a scripture on there in a little bit. We need to connect to the leaders. Come on. Some people who can mentor you. Elders, leaders, pastors in the church. We need to connect. Counselor. Um, whoever in the church seasoned folks who've been in the church we need to connect to them they can speak it to your life we need to connect to relationships no man is an island come on and we need to connect to the body of Christ Ephesians four sixteen says this in the New King James Version it says For what, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint, so every joint supplies. We're knit together. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Listen to it in the Good News translation. It says, under his control, under God's control, all the different parts of the body fit together, and the whole body is held together by every joint, every joint which is provided. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows. Thank you, buddy. All right. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. Now, listen, this is what this passage of Scripture tells me. When each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows. What does that tell you? When each separate part does not work as it should, the whole body does not grow. Can you get that out of that? Right? If we're not all doing our part, then you're hindering the body. I remember one time when Moses and the children of Israel had come up out of Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea. They sang some songs. And uh, everybody was happy. And now they were on their journey. And all of a sudden, his brother and his sister began to say, wait a minute. You know, all the stuff Moses did, we could have done that. What's so great about Moses anyway? Come on, brothers and sisters, right? And Miriam even came against Moses. Well, the Lord struck her with leprosy. Remember the story? And she had to be put outside the camp so that she would not infect others with leprosy. Well, guess what that did? God now said everybody has to wait, can't move forward because Miriam has leprosy because she came against Moses. Because one person didn't do their part. I'm talking about millions of people. Had to wait. Whole church got away Because you're not doing your part. I didn't call no names now. I'm even looking in the mirror. But if the church is going to move forward. You've got to do your part. You've got to be plugged in. You've got to be committed. You've got to be connected. Come on. Connect in. Why? Because. The church is a functioning body with body life. Now this phrase, the body of Christ, is a common New Testament metaphor for the church. And when Christ entered the world, he took on a physical body, didn't he? he demonstrated the love of God through his body. He laid hands on people. He spoke to people. He even weep, wept. Wept. Now he continues to work through a spiritual body of people called the church. Church now demonstrates Christ's life on earth to people. It's a spiritual body connected together by the Holy Spirit. We become part of a body, and this body is made of people. As much as you would like for it not to be made of some people, guess what? (laughs) It is. It's made of people who have different graces, gifts, value, and they all function as part of the body. Paul made it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you get a a chance, read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again how Paul talks about the body. And the body is made up of all of us who have given our life to the Lord. In fact, the church was never, ever, ever meant to be a place only for one ethnic group from the beginning in acts it never was when he poured out his holy spirit it wasn't meant for just one ethnic group and that's the culture that we really want to build here come on black and white rich and poor educated not educated those who have it all together and those who have some problems Come on, and when you put them all together, we get what we call the church. And hopefully we get what we call the life church, our part of the body. Come on, all connected together. The body is a group of people united by a spiritual union. I've told this story a lot here in the past, but we went to Haiti some years ago, probably 12 years ago now, and I remember going to Haiti. And I remember getting off the plane and I remember us uh, get, finally getting our bags hours later or the next day or whenever it was and uh, going out and there were just people everywhere, just Haitians everywhere. Of course, Haitians are black. And so it was me, Pastor Phil, uh, Mike Keith, um, Elijah was there, Rick, Brother Rick was there, Pastor Lou, uh, Brent Landers, Tony. Uh, so we were a good mix, <laughs> Right of white and black well when we got off we were we were you had to go through this big long s of a line just to get out to the parking lot and i remember just standing in that line and i remember one guy coming up to me one a guy was in authority and he said hey you you can come over here you can you can jump the fence you don't need to wait in that big long line with those other people I said, oh, wow, this is great. This us be favor of the Lord. You know, we get to go through this way. And so I went over, uh, jumped the fence, and then Pastor Lou was right behind me. And he was like, nope, not you. you. You must wait with everybody else. And, of course, you know, it was because I was black and he was white. And the Lord spoke to me clearer than he has ever spoken to me before in my life at that moment. And he said, look around you and tell me what you see. And I said, well, I see a bunch of Haitian people, you know, dark people. And he said, I want you to know something. He said, I have made everybody different for my pleasure, all different colors uh, with different likes and all different shapes and sizes, a little bit. And uh, so I have made all of this for my pleasure. He said, but I want you to know something. Being in Christ, is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he said, now you no longer uh, know men only after the flesh. He said, your brother, and I know what Jesus meant now. He said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? I know what he meant now. He said, your brother and sister are those who have given their life to me, no matter what their outside looks like. And so when you look around, All of those who are saved are your brother and sister. And then he went. He took it a step. Remember, I said, God doesn't do anything and leave it there. He took it a step further and said, in fact, think about your family. And I thought about my brothers, one of whom is saved and the other two weren't at the time. He said, I want you to know that your two brothers that are not saved, I want you to know that this man right here, Pastor Lou, is more your brother than your two brothers that are not saved. And I said, Lord, Wait a minute, what happened to blood is thicker than water? He said, blood is thicker than water. But Christ's blood is thicker than blood. Clear as day. Christ's blood is thicker than human blood. And that's what we have to get to, saints. We have to realize that. Too often we look after the flesh. That's another sermon. But, you know, we look at each other after the flesh. But we are connected together by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. It is or, it is organized. It is a whole. It is made of parts and members. That's the body of Christ. Listen to Romans twelve five. So we being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. That answers your question. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Am I my sister's keeper? Yes, you are. 1 Corinthians 10, 17, For we, though are many, are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Colossians 2, 19, And not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. And in 315 in Colossians says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, one body, and be thankful, be thankful that you are planted in the body. Now we're a congregation, we're a church, we're a universal church, but also we're a local church. We are a local church. We are a congregation of real people. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking or neglecting, in the Amplified, the assembly together as believers, as is the habit of some people. Well, if that's been your habit, let that no longer be your habit. But admonishing or warning or urging, encouraging. One another, and all the more faithfully as you see that day approaching. The closer we get to that day when Jesus comes back, there is all the more that we need to admonish one another. We need to not forsake the assembling together. Another version says this and let us not hold aloof from our church meetings as if it's no big deal. Go to church, don't go to church, no big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, as some do. Let us do all we can to help one another's faith. Mm. And this, the more earnestly as we see the final day drawing near. All of us have to help one another. Listen, just because you may be a person who says, well, you know, I study my Bible and I understand some things and the Lord speaks to me and uh, I feel like I've arrived at a certain point. Well, uh, that's good. Now you can teach, you can disciple, you can do all those things in the church. And guess what? Now you need to reach and help somebody else because it's not about you arriving at all. The only reason why you got to that place of revelation is so that you can now share that revelation and bring somebody else up. You know, one of the things that I used to hate being a musician uh, in church, well, I use that word a little loosely, but. Uh, playing in church and growing up, and might might be able to relate to this a little bit, but I know where I'm from in, in Columbus, Ohio, there was a clique sort of of musicians, you know, a lot of good musicians, and they would, you know, play keyboard and guitar and all these things, and one of the things was they, they never shared information. With you. you know, you'd go and you'd hear some things, you say, man, that sounded good, that was a really nice chord, how did you do that? You moved and you did, and they, well, you know, I can't show you that. You know, just go and learn. Listen to the listen to the tape. It's still a tape. Tells you how long since I played. Listen to the tape. Don't share information. To me, the whole point of getting to a point where you're good is to at least in the church. Now I know it's competitive out in the world. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in here in the church. The point of getting good at something is to then reach back and bring others up to that point. Come on, that's the way we need to be in church. That's the way we need to be, Paul said, no, much rather these those members of the body which seem to be weaker, listen to what he says here are listen to the word necessary. he didn't say we have to put up with them, or they're there, so you have to do what you can. He used a, a profound word here, necessary, the weaker members of the body are did you necessary. They are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. Are you listening to what Paul is saying this morning? And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. So, saints, we all need each other, even those you consider less presentable, because God said that they are necessary. Now, the church connection is a decision and a process. I'm winding up here. It's a decision and a process. You still have to make the decision to be connected. You decide to make church part of your life, you attend, and you grow, you participate in church. You participate in worship. You help downstairs with the kids. When there's something that needs to be done, you volunteer. You connect. Where can I fit in? Can I fit in with media? Can I fit in with the worship team? Can I fit in as an usher? Can I fit in as a worker? What can I do to be part of this church? You decide to make church now Listen, a life experience. You commit and you belong. Church is a life experience. That doesn't mean you're at this place every moment of every day, but guess what? You are the church. And so when you walk out of this building, you're still the church. When you go to work on Monday, you're the church. When your boss gets on your nerves or your professor gets on your nerves, you're still the church. When you get home and things are not like you thought they would be and you want to argue and fuss, you're still the church. When you go to bed at night, you're still the church. When you turn on a movie, you're still the church. When you get into a conversation about somebody else because of some wrongs they've done, guess what? You're still the church. You decide to make church a life journey. You participate. You serve. And then you decide to make church a life enriched. How do you do that? By building relationships. You connect. We must have vital relationships. Ephesians 2.21 says, In whom the whole building being fitted together grows together, fitted together into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place. Of God in the spirit. In the spirit. Listen to First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12. It says this. And the Lord make you increase. And abound in love to one another and to all. Just as we do to you. Connections are decisions. And they're a value decision. We need to make a decision to find a place where I never do life alone. Come on, remember, no man is an island. You cannot do life alone. Make that decision. There's a scripture that, in Proverbs, I believe, it says, a man is going to be a friend, or if he has friends, he must first show himself friendly. You need to get that. Show yourself friendly. You want friends? Show yourself friendly. Be a friend. Make a decision that I will draw the circle of relationship larger, not smaller. Come on, get to know people. Don't just stay in your clique who you're comfortable with. Have you ever been somewhere to a dinner and, and, uh, or something like that, some event, and they encourage you to sit with, uh, maybe you go with uh, some people from your church or your group or whatever it is, and they encourage you to sit with other people. Don't sit just at the table with your group. And the reason for that is to enlarge your circle of friendships, to get to know others. Don't worry, if you don't know what to say, somebody will have to the gift of gab. It's all right. I guarantee you, one out of every two people has the gift of gab. <laughs> so if you don't, it's the other one. <laughs> Make a decision. I will commit my life to be built together with other believers with strong relationships. Make a decision to connect to those whom God has placed in my life and over my life. There's three levels of relationship. There's a service relationship, I mean, we all have those. We, the world calls them acquaintances, uh, people you don't really know all that well. Uh, you know, we, we have contact with maybe 500 to 2,500 people a week, whether you know it or not. You just come into contact with people. But you have surface relationships. And then those those relationships that are beyond surface, some will be family or extended family or hobby friends or work friends, that type of thing, people from the past or people from our now, people you know by name or those you know something about their life and they know something about your life. We need to enlarge that circle of friendship. And then we also need to have what I call some going deeper relationships. Maybe one to six or seven people in your life uh, you might call a best friend. That's the person that you would tell anything. You were embarrassed you did this thing and nobody knows. You don't want anybody to know about it, but my best friend, I'll tell her about it. You know, she won't laugh at me. She'll tell me, well, I did the same thing a couple of years ago. You know, or maybe she'll laugh and then cry with you. Friends we need to go deep with. Who open up. We let them in. We laugh. We cry. We love. We hurt. We forgive. We grow. These are intimate, real relationships. That comrade type of friendship. We need to have those. If you don't have that in your life, you need to work on developing that in your life. And then there's friends of the road, what I call friends of the road. These are those people where maybe something changes and it changes your relationship. Not necessarily for the bad, but maybe they move away to Florida or, you know, get married and move away and you don't quite see them as much. And that's okay too. You can have some friends of the road. But it's important for us to have some of those going deep relationships in our life. And guess what? There's no better place to find some of those relationships than right here in church now here are the basics i'll leave you with this for a vital relationship one make a choice to pursue a biblical congregation relationships that add to you and you add to them don't just be a taker in your relationship you're the one who always has the problems you're the the one who always makes the phone call and needs some help you always need a hand no you need to be a giver as well This can happen as you serve somewhere with people that you end up building a relationship with. Understand that good relationships take time and sacrifice. They really do. They take openness from you. This can happen maybe as you uh, join a connect group. I know we used to have connect groups here. We'll, We'll work hard to start that up maybe at some point again. Those are good things to do, to join a group or you can get to outside of the church. Here it is, Acts 2, verse 46 and 47 says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Oh boy, celebration. Preaching, direction, equipping, building, edification. You'll find all of those things in a congregational relationship. And that's what we need. Amen. We need to connect together. We all have a part. We all need to serve. It's important. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. If you don't show up at church, guess what? It affects other people. Not just because of the job you do, but because of your relationship with others. It affects others. It's important for us to have those vital connections. Listen, how many are going to work harder to have some vital connections at church, to be connected into a church congregation? Come on, we need to leave out of here this morning realizing that we are still the church, and we need to be connected.